Hey everyone, welcome back. Before we get into the stories, I need to give a disclaimer for story number three, as it mentions drunk driving and death. If you've been through an experience like that, you might want to avoid that story. I'll have that story labeled in the timestamps just in case you do want to avoid it. All that being said, let's go ahead and get into the stories. And remember, to always stay hungry. I'm a 28-year-old female. To give you a little background, I work for a resale store that has recently moved me to a different location for me to run as the store manager. Now, I had closed on this day, and after I did the bank deposit for the night, I decided to detour out of my way for some McDonald's for dinner. After waiting in line and receiving my food, I had headed to the nearest freeway to head home for the night. I work about 50 minutes away from where I live, so I have quite a bit of a drive ahead of me. I start on my way as I listen to some Southern Cannibal on my drive home. I looked at a road sign, and I then realized that I've been heading the wrong direction of home. So I get off the highway, and I pull up my GPS, and I realize that I had put the right address in, but for the wrong town. So I retype my address into the GPS, checking to make sure I put in the right address this time. I then hop back on the freeway and head toward home. As I'm merging onto the freeway, and as I get over, I realize there's a car coming up quickly on me, and I stay on my speed and just hope they're going to go around me. I get this eerie feeling in the pit of my stomach, however, and I keep my eyes forward on the road. Now, this car was very close to the back end of my car. I then called my husband as I was starting to become scared. He told me that he was sure it was fine, and maybe the person just didn't know what they were doing. While on the phone with my husband, this car got over into the other lane, and I had felt a little better now. I then told my husband that he was going around, and I then realized my husband was right. Once I was off the phone, he got over, and then close behind me yet again. I felt like when he got back over, he could have hit my car with just how close he was. He then did this one more time, getting over, only to get back over and get close behind me once again. Then he followed me for a while, while I kept telling myself that he was just going in the same direction as I was. I quietly prayed to God, asking him for my safety. Then, I was coming up close on the car right in front of me. So I went around the car, and as I predicted, the car follows right behind me. I began to think to myself, why would he ride my bumper but then go around the slow car? This happened a couple of times before I saw my chance when there was quite a bit of cars in front of me. I sped up, and I then lost myself within those cars, and I finally lost the creepy truck that was following me. I kept looking in my mirror just to ensure the truck wasn't behind me. I didn't call the cops because I didn't have a license plate to give them, but now I'm really worried they might have followed someone else home. The whole rest of the way home I was in so much fear but I did finally make it home safely. To the person that followed me and made me a nervous wreck that night, I want you to know that you're a psychotic creep, and I hope I don't encounter you again. Please, everyone, always watch out for your surroundings, 
And if you feel uneasy, it's probably for a good reason. This happened just a few days ago. My brother is 20, and I'm 18. This is one of the most terrifying experiences in my life. It was a Tuesday night, and my brother and I had just arrived at the airport after a long plane ride. It was around 9pm at the time we landed. My brother and I had been with our aunt who went with us to visit family on the other side of the country. We had grabbed our luggage and headed out. My uncle picked us up and took us back to his house so we could go back to get my brother's car and then we can drive the rest of the way home. For some reason, my uncle didn't want the two of us to stay the night at his house, which was disappointing due to the fact that it was almost 10pm when we made it. We decided to get on the road as soon as possible if we wanted to make it home before midnight. We had stopped to get some fast food and my brother coffee. I didn't get any coffee because I wanted to be able to sleep on the ride back. A blessing to those who aren't driving. I don't usually sleep in the car. It's quite rare for me to do so. But we had been traveling since 8 in the morning. After we ate, I closed my eyes, quickly drifting off. I wasn't sure how long it had been. We were still on the 241 toll road for all I knew. I happened to wake up though, in the most unpleasant way possible. My eyes snapped open, my whole body slamming around the car like crazy. I hit my head on the car door. I was in utter shock, so when I looked up and out the window in front of me, I saw that my brother's car was spinning out of control. We both had no clue what the hell was going on. I then saw the pure fear in my brother's eyes, which scared me even more than I had already been to wake up to this. We slammed in and out of the cones separating the two different sides of the road. I was way too scared to move or speak. I felt tears in my eyes start to well up, and I gripped onto the door rest as hard as possible. Suddenly the car completely shut down. My brother tried to put it in drive and get us moving again, but to no avail. I looked around, and not a single car in sight. That ruled out a car crash of the cause of this. I then turned to my brother, my body shaking more violently than ever. I was being overstimulated with adrenaline. What the hell just happened? I managed to mumble out, my voice breaking throughout the simple question. I don't know. I think something broke. Maybe one of the tires blew out. That was our first theory. He thought that it was that because apparently one of the lights on his dashboard had turned on and it was the tire pressure sensor. It said that it wasn't working and needed to be checked. He kept trying to get the car to start again and move again, but it just wouldn't. Half of his car was now blocking the fast lane, facing traffic, while the other half was on the other side of the road in the right lane. So yeah, we were blocking two lanes and we had no clue what to do to get out of this mess. Dude, turn on your hazards! I told him in a panic when traffic started coming our way. My brother did so, as well as his high beams. He started to honk at people passing by to see if anyone would stop to help us. What do we do? Shouldn't I call 911? I asked. I don't know, dude. We might not even make it out of this. I'm gonna try and move the car again. If no one helps in 10 minutes, I'll let you call. He said. 
We really didn't want to get the police involved because they might call our mom, who was sleeping, and my brother's insurance might raise. The fact that my brother mentioned the possibility of a death sent me over the edge. I felt a small tear roll down my cheek, but I didn't want my brother to see me crying, so I quickly wiped it away. After a few more minutes, I pulled out my phone, then telling my brother I was going to make the call. Typing those numbers in my phone gave me so much anxiety. I never thought that I'd ever have to call 911 in my life, but there I was, typing in each digit as fast as possible. I was surprised that they didn't answer right away. They only picked up after a few rings. A lady on the other end picked up, asking the casual question. Hello, um, I'm not sure exactly what happened, but we got into a car accident. I told the lady on the other end of the line. Okay, where are you? What's your name? Who's with you? She asked. I was too scared to explain anymore, so I handed the phone to my brother after asking him to speak for me. Hey, I'm with my younger brother. I believe that we're on the 261 toll road heading southeast. We're stuck in the middle of the road and my car won't move. Okay, so 261? Are you sure? Because it says your location is the 241. The lady asked. Well, my location on the map says the 261. Though yours is probably more accurate. My brother told her. The operator then went on to ask the other important questions. Like our phone number and what exactly happened and if either of us were hurt. We were both fine and we asked for them not to send any ambulances. She agreed and they told us they'd have Highway Patrol help us shortly. After a while of trying, my brother finally got his car to move, and we then got out of the middle of the road and pulled over to the street. My brother got out and ordered me to do the same, because it was the safest thing to do. I went over to his seat, and then got out through the driver's side. I jumped over the railing where I would be the safest, while my brother went to check out his car. We then heard a horrible metallic scraping noise when we drove out to pull over, and he thought that it really was a tire that he blew. It was freezing out, and I was still full of so much adrenaline, so I was practically vibrating. Soon enough, Highway Patrol finally came, and they helped my brother check out the car. I then got back in now that it was safe. There was a massive dent in the hood of my brother's car, and there were new scrapes all over. They both looked under the car, and they saw that the plastic around the oil pipe had broke, which is what was making the scraping noise. There was actually nothing wrong with any of the tires, so the highway patrol officer told us that he saw a cone in the middle of the road, and that maybe my brother might have ran over that and lost control. He agreed with that. The highway patrol officer then helped my brother cut off the plastic, and we were good to go. We made it home safely by 1 a.m., and I'm never sleeping in a car again for a very long time. This is a story that happened in June 2009, and I've actually got a news article linked of the tragedy. You can include it in the description. At the time, I was dating a girl that lived two hours away from where I lived. I actually have another story about the same girl as she was off her rocker, but that's a story for another day. Anyway, I digress. 
I went to spend the weekend with my girlfriend, and we had spent the whole weekend doing hikes and road trips. On a Sunday night, I had left her house pretty late and headed back home, as I had to work the next morning. In hindsight, that was probably stupid on my part, because I was really exhausted and probably shouldn't have been driving, and I should have left much earlier. As I approached my place, however, I thought that I had seen something on the side of the road, and I assumed it was a very large dog that got hit by a car, as there was also a car on the side of the road with its four-way flashers on. It wasn't even a kilometer away from where I thought I'd seen the dog, and the highway was a T-intersection. It was where you had to stop and turn left or right, and right across from that intersection was an empty lot that used to have an old run-down home that was torn down maybe about a year or so before. I had to turn left 20 meters, and then turn right onto my street. That's when I then noticed a few cars on the side of the road, and a bunch of people outside next to the house that is adjacent to the empty lot. That's when I realized there was a car that had smashed into the side of the house. The accident was so fresh that the police weren't even on the scene. That's also when I learned that what I drove past, it wasn't a dog at all. It was one of the bodies of the three teenagers that got ran over by a drunk driver. The driver was cut off, and he had been thrown out by a nearby bar. That's when he then got into his vehicle and drove well over 100 kilometers. He then hit another car that made him lose control and then sent him on the shoulder. He then ran over three teenagers who had just gotten off of a city bus. He then fled the scene, blew through an intersection, and literally drove his car into a house. And somehow that stupid son of a bitch survived with minimal injuries. And the worst part... Despite destroying three innocent lives, robbing three families of their loved ones, this young man somehow only got six years of prison time. He was released in 2015, and some of the time he was incarcerated was under house arrest in his parents' home. As for myself, I was really mad at myself for driving while I was so tired. I drove right beside mangled bodies, and I didn't realize it. I might as well have been drunk driving myself. For many years, I kept wishing that I would have left my girlfriend's house just a few minutes earlier. Maybe he would have hit me instead, and those kids would have made it home alive. Those three victims would now be in their mid to late 20s by now if they were still alive. To Jasmine, Kaylin, and Steven, may you rest in peace. And to the drunk driver, Nicholas, may you rot in hell. The story happened years ago when I was a skinny 15-year-old boy. For privacy reasons, all of the names have been changed. Through our church, my parents had volunteered me to attend a long-week youth retreat out of the state. It was the middle of July when my ride showed up. I put my duffel bag in the rear trunk and then climbed inside the van to see some kids right around my age and two adult chaperones. Besides myself... There were three girls and another guy. One of the girls, named Amy, went to my school. She was a sophomore volleyball player who I would bump into from time to time, but we weren't really friends. The other two girls I knew from church, but I didn't really talk to them that much either. And the other guy I had only seen a few times, but never spoke to him. After hours of driving, we had arrived at this really big church. 
this was actually where we would be staying at. At least the kids. Speaking of which, there were around 20 or so teenagers to maybe 6 adults. Most of the adults, including the two that brought me, didn't really stay at the church. They were housed with members of the congregation. Not much really happened that first night. We introduced ourselves and then found places to sleep. I found a really nice spot in the lower levels and I put my sleeping bag there. Then we ordered pizza and watched a movie before finally turning in. The next morning we were divided into groups and then sent to different workshops. My group accompanied a construction crew and we had actually rebuilt a home in one day. That experience felt really good. After that, we all showered at the local YMCA and then returned to the church to have dinner. The following day was another workshop, but it was much shorter, so we had more time in the evening to ourselves. The adults who were staying with us had gone somewhere, and even though they had instructed an 18-year-old to make sure we didn't leave the premises, he said we could go as long as we got back before the adults. Around half of us left to explore the town, including myself, Amy, and Dylan. It was around 7pm at this point, and there really wasn't much happening. We went downtown, but many of the shops were closed, or they were starting to close up. Then we came upon a crowd of people who looked like young adults, drinking and hanging out at a park that was slightly off the beaten path. I kind of had a bad feeling, but some of the older kids wanted to check it out. So reluctantly, I went along. It was really dark, and I couldn't make out a lot of the things, but people were mostly doing all sorts of things I didn't care for. Most of the people in our group dispersed, and I found myself alone with a bunch of strangers. They all looked high or stoned, and they didn't really say anything to me. It was starting to get boring, but thankfully, our group began to reassemble to go back. I was still sitting with the strangers when Dylan then tapped me on the shoulder. I was so relieved, not knowing things were going to get much worse. As it turns out, Amy had hooked up with some guy and he wanted to show her the town, but she didn't want to go alone. So she had asked me to tag along, since I was the only person she knew. I refused at first, and all of us pleaded for her to come back, but she said if I wasn't going, she would go alone. So I relented. Thankfully, Dylan volunteered to come along as well. So Dylan and I found ourselves in the back of a pickup truck with some older guy who looked to be almost 30. We were literally in the bed with hardly anything to hold on to while speeding. I was holding on for dear life and several times I actually felt like I was going to fall out. Up front was another guy driving and then Romeo and finally... Amy sitting next to the passenger window. These three yokels were howling as they then recklessly drove us further and further away from anything we knew. Soon enough, the city lights disappeared and we were now surrounded by woods and cornfields, going down dirt roads you could only imagine in horror movies. I could see the worry in Dylan's eyes and I'm sure he saw the same in mine. I was sure at this point that these guys were going to go bury us somewhere. Suddenly, we came to a stop near the edge of a vast cornfield. Music was blasting up front, but I could see and hear that there was a commotion, and I then heard Amy cry out for help. I was about to hop down and help her, when the guy in the back grabbed my arm, 
I tried to pull away, but he was too strong. He had a smirk on his face, and he then pointed, to which I then saw he had a gun in his pants. I was frozen with fear, and my heart totally sank. All three of us, myself, Dylan, and Amy, were going to go missing, or so I thought. Despite all of the noise in the trunk violently shaking, all I could hear was my own heart beating loudly. At that moment, Amy had managed to pry open the door and then darted into the cornfield. I then heard Romeo say something like, She bit me! That's when Dylan then pushed the guy holding my arm. He was sitting on the tailgate, and he had to let go of me to catch himself. We took this opportunity to hop off and run like the wind. I'm not really sure if we ran in the same direction as Amy, but Dylan was ahead of me. I can hear him brushing between the stalks of corn. Then the most terrifying thing ever happened in my life. I then heard the sounds of gunshots. I dropped down for a brief moment, unsure of what the hell to do. My legs went numb, and I wasn't even sure if I could move again. I didn't hear Dylan anymore, and I honestly thought that maybe he got shot. Then I heard voices, and I got up and ran as hard as I could, right in the opposite direction. I don't remember if I ever stopped moving, just that I was either walking or lightly running, trying to put as much distance as possible between myself and those other guys. In fact, I don't recall if they were even following me anymore. I just kept going and going. I eventually found myself on a road, so I walked along the shoulder until I saw a house. I was so tired and thirsty at this point that I don't even remember if it was still night or morning. I think it must have been very early in the morning. I knocked on the house's door several times, but I never heard anything. But I kept knocking and knocking until I finally heard some voices and then a man opened the door. I explained that I was lost, but for some reason, I didn't say anything about the three men. I was very young and naive at the time, and I thought if I went into all the details, it would become a national story, and then my life would be turned upside down. I didn't need all that attention, so I just said I had run off and gotten lost. The police were called, and after many inquiries... I was finally reunited with my group. The most surprising thing though was that Dylan and Amy were already back at the church when I arrived, and get this, neither one of them had said a single thing about what really happened either. Of course, my parents were called and they came and got me, as did Dylan's and Amy's parents. The whole situation got really ugly, with a lot of people taking the heat. However, I heard most of the blame fell on the three of us because the other kids had said we ran off without them. Needless to say, it was the most uncomfortable car ride home ever. I never did speak to Amy or Dylan about what happened to them. We hardly ever saw each other anymore, and when we did, it was just really awkward, probably because it reminded us of things we just wanted to forget. Unfortunately, everything that happened to us is unforgettable. I'll still sometimes wake up in cold sweats from time to time, as I'm sure Amy and Dylan do as well, even if we do no longer see each other. Hey everyone, I hope you all enjoyed these stories. If you ever want to submit your own, you can do so at southerncannibal.com. Have a good night everyone, and remember, to always...
stay.